Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the funniest, fastest, and most fervently insightful breakdown of all the week's top news in the world of retail, the podcast with the best alliteration, and recently named one of the top 45 retail podcasts available. Yes, there are 45 retail podcasts. That is not a joke. It is Thursday, August 19th, 2021. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga, back from a wonderful vacation and joined today by a new and returning guest from the Alvarez and Marcel Consumer Retail Group, Payment Kalbog and Mohit Mohal. Welcome to the show, guys. Mohit, I have to know, do you have any words of wisdom for Haymont today, a first timer on the Amitak Fast Five? Just be himself, which I'm quite sure he will be. And he'll be. <laughs> Haymont, how are, how are you feeling about being on the show? I know you, you've been traveling and busy. Um, are, you, are you ready for this, this crazy journey that we call the Fast Five? I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's exciting to be amongst the top 45 podcasts in the retail environment. So it, uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion today. It truly is an honor, right? I mean, I feel like yeah. that's just, it was either a listing or of every retail podcast, or in some cases, they'll call it an honor. So it's it's great to have you both. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind giving a little um, introduction to each of uh, you and what you do at Alvarez and Marcel. I'm Heyman Kalbag. I'm uh, one of our um, several partners in the consumer and retail practice. Uh, spent about 25 years in the business. I spend most of my time uh, helping retailers that are looking for a big change in their earning performance. And so a lot of the work I've done over the last decade or so has been fairly transformational in nature. Mohit, how about you? Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Mohit Mohal, uh, Managing Director and Partner with the Consumer and Retail Group at a and um, I basically do something very similar to what Himan talked about. Retail and consumer-facing industries have been going through significant disruption in the last couple of decades. So helping those companies be on the right side of disruption and stepping change, uh, doing a step change in their financial performance. And I focus a lot of my time on apparel, specialty, um, and you know, big box retail formats. So nice to be back on the show again. Well, Mohit, you pretty much just named the top three headlines that we're going to be going into. So I'm really glad to have you both on the show today. We are going to be covering Allbirds getting into activewear. Giant Eagle accepting Venmo and PayPal at their stores, Instagram shops adding an ad platform, Ikea's new store format. But now we'll take off with our first headline, and that is Target and Walmart earnings reports were released this week. And my goodness, were they remarkable. Uh, Target said Wednesday that their fiscal second quarter sales rose in every merchandise category from apparel to grocery. And Target expects to see comp sales rise by the high single digits in the second half of the year. Now, Walmart said that it gained ground in its grocery business, which they've been competing in for quite a long time, and had a strong start in back-to-school sales in the fiscal second quarter. They also expect same-store sales to increase uh, by 5 to 6%. That excludes fuel. And now, with you guys both on the show, typically, A&M Consumer and Retail Group you put us on the spot each week, um, asking us questions that your customers are coming to you with, um, those big challenges in the retail industry. 
But this week, because you're our guest, I get to put you on the spot and you better believe that I'm choosing this question. Um, I'm going to ask you both with another successful quarter for both retailers. What would your advice to Target and Walmart be as you look to finish out the year? Are there any areas of opportunity to be that they should be focused on to kind of maintain this momentum? Heyman, let's start with you. You're the new guy. Let's put you on the spot right away. You know, it's it's hard to give advice to companies that are doing as well as they are. So I, I will say that, first of all, congratulations to both companies. I, I will acknowledge that I think the pandemic uh, has given them some tailwinds. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's definitely helped. And, you know, to be comping over 2020, which was a massive growth year for both of them, is really a remarkable accomplishment. So the best advice I think I can give them is stay the course, do what you're doing well in an environment where things are going so well, don't lose focus. Focus on the core and keep executing day in and day out. The the only other thing I would say is, listen, I mean, I think with the Delta variant lurking, um, you know, weather about to change and uh, people are going to be indoors more. So the, the other piece of advice I would offer is, double down on your digital offer. Um, I think, candidly, neither of them is a, a superlative shopping experience. It is, uh, um, while very functional, um, I think there's lots of opportunities to improve. So invest in that. And that goes along with investing in delivery speed and timing, um, mm-hmm. which I think they still have a long way to go. And candidly, I don't think either of the companies has yet come up with the uh, match to Amazon Prime. So right. I, th- I think that's where I would focus. And then the final thing, listen, is as two of the largest retailers in the country, I think, you know, uh, they bear some responsibility for education and awareness. And so to the degree that they can play a role in increasing awareness around vaccinations um, and safety, um, I think that is just a social responsibility I would love to see both these guys step up to. Yeah, that's another another thing outside of, you know, day-to-day operations yeah. and increasing comps. I think yes, that that is a, a crucial point. Mohit, anything that you'd add there? I think the biggest unknown right now is the Delta variant, right? And uh, Costco as an example is already starting to see disruptions with categories like toilet paper again. Mm-hmm. Uh just given their scale for both Walmart and Target uh, I believe they have ho- hopefully either already stocked or in process of stocking up categories. Should there be a significant uptick in, in cases with the Delta variant? Um, the second thing is, you know, global supply chain continues to be in a mess, irrespective of where COVID goes. Just because the demand and supply imbalance there is not going to get uh, solved for another 12 to 18 months. So making sure you have bought and shipped sufficiently well in advance for the peak holiday season, which a lot of retailers are doing, becomes increasingly, increasingly important. And making sure you have, you know, the right adequate uh, employee workforce, especially as it relates to the store, you know, so continuing to focus on those topics in addition to what uh, Heyman outlined. One thing you you guys didn't mention that I was curious about, I, I was reading these earnings reports and I'm just thinking, you know, what they, these retailers are defining this next generation of shopping. I think we've developed habits 
of shopping these retailers throughout the pandemic. And I wonder if you ask consumers today it, what they still felt like they needed outside of Target and Walmart. Like what, it, what are you still really going to shop for in, in the, the you know, retail universe outside of that, that those retailers can't provide you or are not working on providing you in um, this, this current state. And the other thing, as I'm thinking that I saw right away when I woke up this morning was that Amazon announces that they're getting into department stores now. And so I think that that to your, both of your points, I think that really puts the pedal to me- the metal for Target and Walmart of, yes, you're performing well, but like you were saying, Hamon, like making sure that you are doubling down on digital, on delivery, on last mile. Mohit, you were saying similar things with supply chain, making sure that you've got those pieces in place. Well, one brand that uh, we probably won't be seeing at Target or Walmart uh, soon is Allbirds. They are going all in on an activewear collection that they just released on Tuesday of this week. So they're calling their new activewear collection the Natural Run Collection. And they're offering, in addition to their footwear, bike shorts, leggings, and two tank tops that are made with premium natural fibers um, labeled with its carbon footprint. And they are going to be available in sizes extra small through uh, 3XL. Now, um, for me, you guys, I, I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say. For me, this all comes down to the simple like quality and durability of this product. I, I keep seeing the headlines like this is going to go up against Lululemon. And I think potentially there could be that future for them. This is a good test. Uh, they have a, a loyal market. but and, and I think it's important to note that they did go into extended sizing right away with which um, you know some of the activewear brands are, are a little bit slower to, aco- to accommodate that audience. But I think that um, I'm curious to hear what you guys, what your project, projections are for the future of, of uh, all birds and their athleisure wear apparel. Uh, this is very exciting, right? I think the headline for me here is um, it's a step in the right direction, but they need to be really careful about uh, product quality as well as making sure they do not dilute the essence of the brand. Mm-hmm. And let me explain what I mean by that, right? Yes, uh, please. When, when they were launched in 2006, right, they very quickly became a staple for, uh, you know, a Bay Area tech worker, um, uh, it's and it's a very passionate, uh, loyal consumer base, which appreciates uh, innovation in what has been largely a very traditional category dominated by you know yeah. Nike, Adidas, you know Reebok, and so on and so forth. Um, but there is a broader trend at play here, and that is not just across uh, apparel, but in other retail categories. So think of either Bonobos, Casper, Amazon Fresh, you know, all of these um, uh, companies, they have, even though they started digital, they continue to take more physical space as they focus on growth, which is one of the early strategies that all birds employed. I think now they have 20, 25 locations in um, high urban density areas and, you know, with plans to expand more. Now, if you look at the most recent valuation of the company and, you know, talks of a potential IPO, right? Um, you know, so you need to put a financial lens if you're going to be listed on the street, right? So how do you start thinking about retail store productivity? How do you drive the next wave of growth? They just need to be careful around 
given their focus on sus- sustainability, uh, the product quality uh, is on par with competition and they do not dilute the essence of the brand. Agree completely, Mohit. A step in the right direction, pun intended, with with their footwear. <laughs> hey, man, what do you have to say about this one? Yeah, I think I'm going to disagree with both of you. Um, oh, good. I, I think we're going to see an announcement 18 to 24 months from now that Allbirds is exiting apparel because they're sitting in a lot of unproductive inventory and they've mm-hmm. decided to focus on the core again. Listen, on paper, this makes sense, right? The category is exploding. Uh, it's a natural adjacency for the brand. But what I loved about the company was the simplicity and the focus of their business model. And you go to their stores, it was a fantastic experience, right? You could go and they had free shoelaces in, in 20 colors and they had a finite inventory. It was easy to choose. They had great traffic. They had great results. And I think they are taking on complexity that I'm not sure they're ready to handle. And I I think this is going to be a move they're going to end up regretting. I, I think they have a very profitable business model that it, I think is going to get diluted by going into a very competitive category that everyone is going into. The number sure. of native brands in this is infinite. Um, so uh, as much as I love Mohit and, and uh, we are good friends, I'm going to have to disagree with him. I think it's a step in the wrong direction. We like to have this debate. That's, this is what makes us one of the top 45 retail podcasts, you guys. Um, so, well, I'm, I just want to ask one follow-up question. So, Heman, what would you recommend then that they do? Because I think Mohit brings up a good point. Like, if they're going to go IPO soon, like, they've got to do something to show to show scalability or to show, you know, if they're going to expand into stores, how they're going to do that success, successfully. What would you, is there anything that comes to mind that you would recommend that they do to do that? Oh, focus on innovation in the category you're in, right? I mean, my God, I mean, how much of Apple's valuation sits in the iPhone, right? right. I mean, it's not like all of the new products and all the bells and whistles. Yes, it matters, but I think I don't think the Wall Street is going to reward them unless this is a huge success and adds not incrementally, but there's a step change function in growth and profitability, which I think is going to be very difficult in a competing market. We're going on to our third headline, and that is that the grocer, Giant Eagle, is accepting PayPal and Venmo now to pay for orders in its stores, uh, its grocery stores, and its get-go convenience stores, making it the first U.S. grocery chain to accept the digital payment method at cash registers. So customers will go in, they pay for goods by scanning a QR code in their PayPal or Venmo app. Um, Both of those are are owned by PayPal, by the way. Um, And right now they said that 1.3 million merchants are now using PayPal's QR codes in their stores, including Nike, CVS, and Foot Locker. Um, Mohit, I'm going to go to you first on this one again, too. Um, How are you feeling about, you know, taking this pretty big step in grocery, allowing digital payment? um, And what do you think it'll do for Giant Eagle? This is just an evolving ecosystem, which is needed to support the store of the future. I think it was a few months back and when we were talking about Amazon opening its first fresh supermarket with with checkout-free technology, right? And we talked about the fact that Giant Eagle already has a similar palette with Grabango uh, Mm -hmm. for a cashier, you know, checkout, cashier-less checkout in response to Amazon Go, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the reality is 
you know, beyond cost of goods, stored labor continues to be the biggest line item on any grocer's PNL. So any kind of technology, especially in a high traffic retail environment like grocery, that can help reset that labor, we'll continue to see greater adoption of that, right? Um, if you take a consumer lens, uh, the consumer preferences have also evolved very, very dramatically, especially after the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. For contactless shopping. So more and more grocery retailers who have traditionally shied away from large technology changes have this renewed interest in automation and technology. That, those are my exact notes about this. I love this move. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's definitely acknowledging that they're not only listening to their customers and this next generation of customer who wants to be able to use a digital wallet of some form. Um, it's definitely better for during the pandemic than be having to be handling a bunch of cash. And I also think that you hit right on it too. This starts to train your customers in using digital payments, in putting their phone out, and then you know using it through throughout the store even more than they do today as they start to expand the get-go concept beyond the convenience stores and into grocery as we see more Amazon fresh uh, rollouts. And headline number four, we're going to talk about yet another example of the big money in retailer ad platforms. So Instagram kicked off an ad pilot with some select brands inside their Instagram shops tab just this past week. On August 9th, they started testing this um, inside the, the shops tab, as we mentioned, with some US brands like Away, Claire Paint, Doe, that is also Doe spelled D-E-U-X, and Donnie Davey. The ads will appear as tiles in the app, allowing users to click on items, then go to a product detail page where they can discover more about the product and the brand uh, or view and share those, those products directly to other uh, followers. Heyman, let's go to you first. What what are your thoughts on this? Social media platforms have become such an important uh, way for brands to communicate to consumers. And I think brands and agencies in between have been trying to figure out the best way to monetize that viewership in as many ways as possible. So I think, I think this is an interesting move from that perspective. Um, what I worry about is, right, I, I think you're always one innovation and one generation away from a social media platform being irrelevant. Hmm. Um, MySpace to Facebook to Instagram to Snapchat. And I think the challenge is, I think um, Instagram has been relevant because of their expanding user base and their younger user base. I think the younger generations are generally allergic to commercial agendas showing up on their social platforms. And so I, I, I worry about that. And, and, you know, does it lose some of its purpose and authenticity by adding this functionality? Um, and does that make it a step closer to uh, not being relevant um, as, you know, the next generation adopts the next big thing in social media? Uh, so having said all of that, I am sure it'll have the right ROI by industry standards. Uh, and I, I wish them all the best with this move. Yeah, I, I am in agreement. I just don't know about this. To me, it seems so commercial. I mean, we know, we look at Facebook and how they've rolled out ads. And I think what was so organic and, and nice about the Instagram 
you know, influencer campaigns or creator campaigns, and even on TikTok and Snap and others, is that it felt natural. Like it just, it was a part of the post. And I think for marketers to be able to really like pinpoint this in the right way and make it feel like you're saying, like not ad like it's going to require a pretty significant shift. Um, and, and will the, you know, will the viewers be able to just tell right away, like this is a fake version of a, of an Instagram post, like that a brand is doing. Moed, you're shaking your head. What do you, what do you think about this? You know, I'll take a different lens on this, right? To me, the consumer is the channel moving forward. So we need to have a mindset that wherever the consumer is, that is the channel moving forward. So Wherever the consumer goes, money is going to follow, brands would follow. Um, I think Instagram just needs to pilot and test this sufficiently to Heyman's point that any changes which are being rolled out do not have unintended consequences. I mean, the reality is they have a billion monthly active users, right? Like that's 15% of the world's population. Very few platforms can ever come close to this kind of reach until, you know, Heyman... Uh, launches his new uh, social media platform. Oh, but till then I am kidding on that, right? <laughs> until then, this is you know every marketer's dream, right? So there has been um, for the right reasons, you know, um, a lot of concern around alienating part of your consumer base, making it more commercial and things like that. So you just need to make sure you know you are piloting and testing it sufficiently and uh, making sure there are no unintended consequences before you roll out, you know, some of these changes. But definitely really exciting for digital brands, really exciting for traditional brands, as well as, you know, all the marketeers, as well as the consumers, right? Because now they're Mm -hmm. going to have this frictionless experience wherein you can check out, right? And everything is going to be about frictionless service moving forward. Yeah, I think think you said something, Mohit, that I want to call out, especially in that, the the customer is the channel now. Um, we are doing a, a live event on LinkedIn next Wednesday with Lisa Collings of Epsilon, where we're going to really dive into that specific topic. For those of you listening, it's at 11.30 Central, 12.30 Eastern next Wednesday on LinkedIn Live. So check out OmniTalk on LinkedIn for that. But we are really going into one, even though there are, you know, 15% of the world's population is on that channel, really, you know, highlighting whether or not that is an area where you, your consumers are. And just because it's got, you know, there's so many people that are participating in that, is that still in line with your own values as a company, your own goals? And is that the right channel? Because I think both of you are right. These, these new social networks are going to keep popping up and there's going to just be one shiny penny after another that marketers are going to have to, to focus on. But I think it's really important to be looking at the full 360 picture of your customer. They aren't going to be on Instagram all of the time. So where are the other places that you're capturing them? And how do you kind of hold truth to those goals uh, that you've set up for, for your brand and, and your engagement with your consumers? Um, I think we'll take us into this last uh, headline here. Number five. IKEA is debuting a new store format in Shanghai where customers can scan products and do self-checkout throughout the store, submit mobile food orders, register for events and design advice. Here's one of the biggest ones. They can schedule real-time picking of their ordered products and choose their desired delivery method all using their own mobile devices. If I had a gong right now in the back of me and I could ring it and be screaming, I think 
the halls of OmniTalk could not be more happy about this announcement. Heyman, what do you think about this? Are you as, as overjoyed as I am to hear about this bigger, better, more digital IKEA experience? I really am. I, I think I think as a company, they continue to amaze uh, with their innovation to me. Uh, I just wish that the store was not in Shanghai and was a little closer to me in New York. Um, well, I, maybe in 2022. If this maybe. is successful, they said they're going to roll it out to other locations uh, in 2022. I, I think really... I, th- you know the the it's a really amazing company, and it's it's in some ways you know um, a fairly enigmatic company because they're not very um, uh, vocal about the inner workings of the company. But I'm I'm not surprised to see see that this is this has probably been in the works for them for a while. I think it'll be an amazing store experience. I think it'll take away. Uh, a lot of the friction that exists today in shopping for furniture in an IKEA store. Uh, so I think it's all of the right moves. And, and I think I'm really excited to see that. Um, you know, I, I suspect this will trigger uh, broader innovation in the industry. Um, but as IKEA does things, right, they will bring a simple elegance to this. That'll be phenomenal. And and I, I'm super excited to see it. Uh, so gr- great move by by them. And I think, you know, the other thing that I, we didn't talk about is they're also thinking about kind of being slightly more urban as they think mm-hmm. about the new format and being, you know, because historically it's been a destination and it's been in slightly um, outside of urban area locations that you need to go spend a bunch. It's so a I day trip. Like, it is, right? It, it's also... A good way to kind of go spend half a day with your spouse and get into a really bad fight. Um, that's something that IKEA truly inspires. But yes. outside of that, uh, I haven't been to an IKEA uh, for a few years now. Um, but you know, I will say that once they are more urban and with this new format, I will go because um, I th- I think it's going to be really exciting. I think it's going to be a very cool store. Mohit, are you going to join Heyman and I in a, like a tiny IKEA pencil burning party? Are you ready to jump on this train? I will, but I'll say I'll join you guys definitely. Um, but I think for me, the jury is still out on this one. Mm. Um, you know, we live in a world where the key question for every retailer who has a significant physical footprint is why should a consumer walk into your store? You know, is it price? Is it convenience? Is it the brand or is it the experience? I mean, Wayfair and Amazon in these categories made it difficult to compete on either price or convenience. And how many consumers are ready to, you know, go go put an IKEA furniture in back of your pickup truck and drive home? Not many, right, in, mm-hmm. in today's world. So the the key question then becomes, how do you compete on store experience, which is exactly what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I still say the jury is out there on this for me is just given their price point and you know how dominant at least Wayfair has become in this category, it will be interesting to see what this pilot, uh, pilot uh, points to. What I do like the most about this pilot is they have picked a geo like China, where the younger consumer base is at the forefront of really embracing these kind of technologies and digital and immersive store experiences are doing really, really well. But compare that to here on the state side, 
there are not a ton of examples of digitally enabled stores doing really well you know mm-hmm. a lot have been op- open you know people enjoy it but have they really reaped the financial benefit you know they would have in a south korean or a chinese market probably not right. so for me the jury is still out there as it relates to scalability of this you know on a on a global level well, Mohit, I'm going to add this to our tally of, uh, I think it was last time you were on, we were talking about Amazon Fresh, and I'm going to add the IKEA new store experiences to, um, we'll have to do a trip together so we can experience them together and really see if my buildup for both of those is is <laughs> validated or not. Because yeah, I mean, just to close us up, I cannot imagine a better experience. I still think people enjoy the IKEA experience when it's a good one, you know, when they can get out of there. People you know, complain. They love the experience, you know, the food, the kids play center until they get to the lines. And I think eliminating the lines and removing that friction point that you call out of, you know, how do I get this product home with me? Um, and being able to have it picked while I'm looking through the store or eating, you know, lunch with my kids in the outdoor play area. Like this concept is, you know, I think where the future of, of retail experiences in store and true omnichannel experiences is headed. So that closes us up on the headlines. You guys, it's time for a rapid fire questions. Are you both ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All right. Hey, man, we're going to start with you. Which company in this week's fast five would you most want to work with? Ikea. They they are just so enigmatic to me and I, I need to get the recipe for those meatballs. Yes. I don't know if we want to know what's in those meatballs entirely, but yes, maybe some version of them. Mohit, what about you? All birds. The idea of helping um, a digitally native sneaker band transform into a full head-to-toe lifestyle brand all day long. All right. 7-Eleven just launched a 30 to 60 minute alcohol delivery in a 600 store pilot with mini bar delivery. They haven't mentioned the cost for this service, but I'm curious uh, what you both have as your threshold for delivery charges on convenient convenience items or delivery food. That'll be a tough one. I mean, you know, if you make it about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say, you know, um, Probably anything uh, single digit is where they'll probably land. I think the okay. willingness to pay shifts with um, how quickly you can get it, right? Long term, the threshold for this, the number has to be zero. Walmart announced this week they'll provide a tech support service that will rival Best Buy's Geek Squad and will be available to customers for an annual cost of eighty nine ninety nine. Who are you more willing to trust for IT services, Best Buy or Walmart. In reality, the IT services they provide are relatively basic. And um, uh, I I would go with the cheaper option, which is going to be Walmart. I I would go with Best Buy. I love your point, Haman. I think that's really good. I do think there will be a lot of people, if they are going to go in on this, they're going to go with Walmart. And why not throw this into Walmart Plus membership too? That was another thing I'm curious about. Taco Bell released plans for a new store concept that will have four drive-through lanes, some solely dedicated to mobile pickup orders. One of the coolest parts, in my opinion, is that they'll be delivering food to cars via Bellevator to minimize contact with employees and drivers. Which retailer do you both believe has the most to gain from piloting a similar store concept next? I'd be very interested to see what this does for a large pizza chain like Domino's or Pizza Hut. 
if I think back on the last kind of 18 months, the longest drive-through lines I've seen uh, have been at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I would encourage them to take a close look. Let's go to the, our next question. Kellogg's launched a Cheez-It e-commerce site in celebration of the brand's 100th anniversary, where customers can order Cheez-It merchandise like fanny packs and socks, but also special edition packages of Cheez-It products. What CPG company is so good, you'd be compelled to order directly from it? Right, pick Kiehl's just because I use their products and I okay. have ordered from their website. But I have to say, CPG companies massively need to step up their game if they want direct-to-consumer to be relevant. None. <laughs> None. Finally. Oh, not <laughs> even coffee. that hard. What about coffee, you guys? Would you order coffee directly from a coffee brand? Like, no, not even coffee. Okay. I do want to thank you both so much for joining us for the Fast Five this week. If people want to follow the work that you're doing um, where is the best place for them to get in contact with you? Mohit, let's start with you. It's mohit.mohal at alvarez and marcel.com. Reach out to us through our website. We uh, Reach out to th- our emails and LinkedIn profiles are on the website. Um, so um, our LinkedIn, we're all on LinkedIn these days. I love it, you guys. Thank you so much. That wraps us up this week. Thanks for hanging on with us through the summer to OmniTalk listeners. We are getting really excited about the grocery shop content that we're working on for you coming up here in September. Um, I'll be on stage there for a couple of sessions. So if you're going to be at the show, please look us up. And if not, stay glued to OmniTalk for live updates and reporting from the show. Happy birthday today to two 90s heartthrobs who are somehow now old enough, sadly, to be cast as grandfathers, Matthew Perry and John Stamos. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly e-newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you and all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in and please remember to like us and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the A&M Consumer Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities towards their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com.